You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Back to the concession stand. This is episode number 28, and I'm your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, this week, number 28, I'm going to give you one. My favorite number 28 is another hockey player this week. Uh, Steve Larmer used to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. He holds the third longest consecutive game streak played. This guy played 884 straight NHL games without a day off or without wow. a game off. Which, in that time, between 1983 and 1994, it was a way different, more violent game. And the fact that he survived and probably played hurt through a number of those games, that guy gets a Stone Cold Salute! I said give me a hell yeah! Mm. Mm-hmm. Ah, delicious. Well, we need to give the, the listeners an update on our Oscars contest from a couple of weeks ago. Because we were kind of mum about it last week, yeah. but uh, we had to figure out what to do. And I think what we figured out is in a weird way, and we'll tell you the story behind this in a second. Um, Why don't you recap what happened first? Sure, absolutely. So, so to recap, um, in case you missed the Oscars or the end of the four-hour <laughs> marathon Jimmy Kimmel show uh, that, that happened two weeks, uh, a couple Sundays ago, uh, Warren Beatty, there was a mix-up with the cards. Warren Beatty misread uh, La La Land as being the best picture winner when, in fact, it turns out it was Moonlight. Yep. So, Andy and I were going into the finals, the, the this final round. Andy had a two-point lead on me, five to three for picks. And with with no, the, it was, uh, yeah, it was five to it was five to four actually. Oh, so going into the, going into the best picture, right, I was winning right. five to four. Yeah, five to four. And if I had picked Moonlight and you had picked La La Land, correct? Right. You that's yeah for exactly. best pictures. Right. So when when La La Land was announced originally, you won six to four. Yep. But <laughs> wait a second. All of a sudden, it's announced that Moonlight is. So now we are tied five to five. So congratulations to both of us. Yes. We both win. However, ah, here's the sad part. Let's throw a kink into it and say that we both lost as well. So here's what I'd like to propose. We both watch the movies that we promised the listeners that we would go the shitty, terrible movies. Yep. Don't forget to take your copy of Extra with you to, uh, home I, I, today. I will, unfortunately. <laughs> and we're going to watch those movies this week between this this episode and the next episode, and yep. we're going to give the listeners a review of those horrible, horrible films uh, next week on the show. Yeah, if you were curious about our picks in episode 26, we actually had our picks before the Oscars, and so the odds of us tying are pretty crazy if you think about it because yeah. there's a one in five chance for eight of the nine categories that we had to get something right, and then in the, the best picture, there's a one in ten chance we had to get something right. So all of those things aligned where we were going into this and then ended up in a tie, pretty amazing. Even with the mix-up at the end, yeah. Yeah, totally. so, so I am not excited to watch Extra, but I'm excited to give like an actual review of a horrible movie, and it, it, it has to be a good enough review to actually prove that we've watched it. So Totally, and I will know if you've watched it. <laughs> I know, I know. Because I've watched it a dozen times. Yeah, stay tuned for that next week. Uh, <laughs> Nick, you played some games this week? I did. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn has swallowed my life. Oh. Uh, it is it is everything that I had hoped it would be. It's it's more than I had hoped it would be. And, but I will tell you that all of the reviews that are out there are true. It is well in excess of a nine out of ten from a from a, ga- a rating. It is the ultimate mashup of everything that we love about action adventure RPGs, MMOs, uh, crafting, inventory management, uh, combat systems. If you enjoyed playing Skyrim, this is Skyrim with a bow and arrow. Cool. And it is a lot of fun. You can stealth. You can run in just Rambo style and mer- mow people down. Uh, the strategies you have to take around killing the machines. The stories are epic. I mean, I, I cannot rate. If you buy, well, I know we got Mass Effect coming up in about 10 days, but this is going to be one of those games uh, right up there with Mass Effect Andromeda for game of the year this year. And it's it's a must play for any serious gamer. Yeah, I'm excited to get back into it. I have a reason why I haven't played it. We'll get into that in a minute. You also did a little more Overwatch Season 4? Yeah, so Overwatch Season 4 kicked off a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we've finally gotten the band back together after we got past the Lunar event and the Capture the Flag stuff and the latest update. So the meta has changed a lot in Overwatch with Season 4. Uh, Bastion has gotten some good updates. Mercy has gotten some good updates. So 
if you haven't played Overwatch in a while, there's a lot that's changed. The meta has shifted a little bit more to a support character uh, type of, of, of meta, and we're seeing a lot of people run those kinds of loadouts. Um, healers are not really being run in the top tiers right now. We're seeing a lot of people just go straight offense and bum rush, which overwhelms the defending crowd, and, and they're just, oh, we don't know what to do. And before you know it, they've got the payload. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Overwatch Season 4 is off and running, uh, should be going on for a few months, and I'm looking forward to it. If you, Again, if you guys would like to uh, come play, I'm over on PS4, you can come find me. Speaking of off and running, I went and saw Logan two days ago. Uh, it is off and running at the box office for sure. I think it made a, a upwards of $80 million yep. on its opening weekend. Hey, a lot of people say that it's it's the best superhero movie of all time, better than The Dark Knight. I will disagree with that, but I think it is a very, very solid, fun, entertaining, guttural, violent the Wolverine movie you've been always wanting to see. Uh, it is fantastic. I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, I know you haven't seen it. We've both been really busy. I was able to squeeze it in uh, like at a morning show two days ago. Um, go see it. Uh, it is definitely the culmination of the entire Hugh Jackman uh, Wolverine arc, if you want to call it that. Um, my only issues with it, uh, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't really sold on the villain, the guy that looks like Charlie Hunnam with like the Luke Skywalker robot hand. Yeah. That didn't, he didn't do it for me. Um, and, and I thought maybe the movie was about five to 10 minutes too long, but I, I, that's, those are minor complaints. Uh, the overall experience is exactly what I wanted. So, uh, and yes, I did shed a tear at the end. You'll see why. Did they end up showing the Deadpool thing that got released later on the internet with the film? Cause I had heard it was going to be in the movie, then it wasn't in the movie. And then, uh, then Ryan Reynolds posted it online. So what was the deal with all that? Okay. Good point. Um, I, I, I forgot to mention that. Uh, yes, the Deadpool thing that you saw online, uh, was before the movie started. Okay. But it's a, it's a truncated version of it uh if you saw the one online it's got stan lee in it the one that you did in the theater did not okay but it's the same pretty much the same thing but it's the superman music in the booth with <laughs> yeah. him trying to change while yeah. the guy's getting murdered yeah. in the alley very funny very funny stuff oh that was that was a good time and right up the same vein as yes. as, uh, as ryan reynolds and deadpool before so For really sure. good stuff um Hey, I heard you got uh, that whole Nintendo Switch thing. I did. Uh, it is it is really cool. Um, it took a lot of my time uh, this week. Um, maybe I didn't get to as many other things as I would have liked to, and I actually didn't get to play the Switch as much as I would like. However, we should just start talking about video games. All right, so why don't you give me your first kind of, you know, talk about the unboxing. Was it what you expected? Was the, the presence of the Switch itself putting it together and all of that before we get into the gameplay and the menus and all that stuff. I mean, were you impressed with the actual manufacturing and the hardware itself? The Joy-Con controllers were a little bit smaller than I thought, but the screen that it's around is bigger than I thought. So uh, it's very portable. It's very sturdy. Uh, the kickstand that comes out of the back of it's a little flimsy that, mm. you know, where you stand it up or whatever. Right. Uh, it comes with a lot of uh, uh, cables in the box that make it very, very easy to, to plug and play, which is exactly what they want. Um, his setup was simple. Uh, getting your Nintendo account linked to it, simple. It was went online instantly. Um, just the the tech of it being able to lift this thing out of the dock and play it and put it back in. It's like a second before you 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 put it in the dock. One second and it's on your TV. It's, it's like flipping an input on a yeah, TV. Not a even not even that. So you just you just have, yes, it would be like that. But if you have your you know your HDMI switch to wherever you want it on your TV, you, you're playing you know whatever game. Drop it in. Boom, it's on your screen. And you pick up a different controller or, or whatever it is, but it's pop the Joy Cons off. You could do that, yeah. And I, I was able to get one of the uh, the Pro controllers, which is um, kind of their version of a of a Dual Shock controller or an Xbox One controller. Uh, cost eighty bucks, but uh, luckily I had some trade in money for that. Um, but yeah, but overall, I think the the tech of this thing, the the potential of this system is is awesome. I think it didn't launch with enough games. Uh, the game it launched with is just as good as they said it is, and then some. It is the best Zelda game I've ever played, and I've only scratched the surface. I've been playing it with my daughter. It is an open world. Like If you look off in the distance and you see something, you can go there. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 amazing, and you can hop on a horse, or you can. And my daughter's like she just wants to cook stuff, so like you can find like fire <laughs> things and start a fire and like throw an apple in there and a mushroom and like you get this concoction and it makes yeah. your makes it more resistant to cold weather and it's all this stuff. But um, yeah, that, uh, she that, would be a perfect World of Warcraft player. Yes, that's that's amazing. Uh, the other two games it launched with uh, the one two switch is more of like a party game similar to a Wii Sports. Why they didn't launch this with a version of Wii Sports is beyond me because um, totally. it just screams for it. Uh, but is it, would it call, be called Wii Sports anymore, or would sure, it be Switch, Switch Sports? Sports Switch, who knows? But it's, they, I'm sure it's coming down Switch, the pike. Switch Sports. Switch Sports. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, well, hey, did you take your switch up to the roof and drop it down onto the sidewalk just to test the no, durability? No, of no, it? no. But I heard. About I heard this. there was. Uh, there's always some asshole, yeah, right? Yeah. That that goes out and then what do they do? They go stand in line at Best Buy and they go in get in front of the line just to get one first and then come out on the sidewalk and slam it down and beat it with a baseball bat. I hate those people. Uh, you, I hate those people. Science, you know, just <laughs> just to see how what it can withstand. So apparently there was a guy, and we'll post this article on the website. There was a guy that figured out that it took 11 drops from five feet to break the glass on the switch. Oh, and why would you do that? It's just such a... <laughs> I can't even get one on Amazon and there's people breaking them. Oh, terrible, terrible, terrible. That, that, that's always the case, though. So I will say that, that I continue to be disappointed that, um, that there's no virtual console support. Yeah. I think that had the potential to... And maybe this was tactical. Maybe this was on their part very smart. Um no virtual console on there because that would have replaced my 3DS. Sure. In a sense, right? I would have laid that next to the bed instead of my Switch next to the bed instead of the 3DS to play, right? So I, I don't know. That was one of the things that stood out to me as well. Maybe with the limited number of launch titles, like physical like cartridges that you could buy, there were three, four maybe. So it's, it's Zelda, it's 1-2 Switch, there was a Bomberman game, and like Just Dance 2017. So yeah. I think maybe their fear was if we launch Virtual Console, nobody's going to buy any of those games. They'll just buy the $10 and just make it that. I think they were really trying to make sure that they get their game sold. And get that into people's hands and, and sort of show the potential of it rather than go play Castlevania on it. You know what I'm saying? I give it three months before the virtual console. Yeah, on and there. their their whole online strategy is still not figured out yet. That's coming. Um, so allegedly, again, this is this is we we have a system or I have a system right now that that is uh, has all kinds of potential. It's just scratched the surface, like I said earlier, and I haven't scratched the surface because I got a screen protector for it, um, which I <laughs> recommend. Uh, but yeah, it, other things. Um, the Joy Cons are very simple to control. You can. You can like, apparently use them as controllers for your Mac because they're Bluetooth. Yeah. Um, there's a dongle you can buy for your NES Classic if you're lucky enough to have that as well, which many people well, aren't. It's not even a dongle. It's a it's an adapter yeah, it's for a Bluetooth, Bluetooth adapter. Yeah, it's a Bluetooth thing that goes into the, the, the NES Classic because one of the problems with the Classic is the controller that comes with it is like three feet long, and and the, <laughs> yeah. and the and the power cable is like four feet long. So if you wanted to sit on your couch, you can't unless your couch is like two feet from your television and be able to play this thing. So. Right. They've created a, a Bluetooth dongle where you put the Bluetooth dongle into the classic, and then you can use a Joy-Con controller, which is a Bluetooth thing, or the Wii, Pro, uh, Wii uh, the Switch Pro controller, um, and you can use that to play on your classic. Great. Um, they haven't made it. It's a third-party thing. You can get it on uh, Amazon, I think, for like 17 bucks. But uh, enough about the Switch. Uh, if you get a chance to play one, and I know you haven't had a chance to come over and check it out, I'm yeah. excited for you to see it. I think you'll really like it. Well, but, one, yeah. one more thing. Did they, did they? So I know the Wii, the thing that was very popular was creating your me. Yeah, and you could have almost like a second life experience within the 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 me community, and there was stuff there. Did they, did any of that stuff carry forward, it's, or have they recreated it in any way? There aren't the games like the we run around and see your little guy run around on the screen. That's not there as part of the UI. However, I was able to uh, port over my Nintendo me from. My network ID, yeah. which I had to recreate a new Switch ID, but it recognized that that was me. So but it all links to your Nintendo account, exactly, and which like, has your little blue guy with, right, the, with the glasses, glasses and the cap, beard. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And my daughter's was there as well, so cool. we literally hit a button, so all those are there, and so I can play Zelda under me, or she can play Zelda under her, and there you go. Perfect. Well, hey, there's another new game that I heard about this week that sounds awesome. Yeah. I cannot wait to see more about this, but it's called Super Slam Dunk Touchdown. Right. So let me give you an example. So when I was a kid, my brother and I would just, you know, we'd be playing out in the yard and we liked baseball, yeah. but it'd be funny. Like every now and then we'd be, we'd be like, let's play basketball. This is before the basketball movie existed. Right. And he would throw me a basketball and I would hit it with aluminum bat or throw me a soccer ball and I would hit it with aluminum bat. So it was like this mashup of like crazy sports where we try to hit the ball into the basket yes. sometimes, right? Well, some geniuses in the indie world have come up with a game that kind of does just that. It is called Super Slam Dunk Touchdown. And the the they've got various things. So you've got uh, basketball courts. You've got soccer fields yep. with soccer goals, right? Yeah. Or for you non-Americans, football goals. Huh? Uh, they've got various. They've got field goal uprights for things like NFL. But you you can assemble a team of players that are baseball players, soccer players, lacrosse, lacrosse. <laughs> you can have a goalie that has a lacrosse racket. <laughs> Uh, so uh, there's uh, this. You can make up any of these that you want to in these super teams, uh, just to try to score points. And ba I think the way it works, from what I read, is that the the field that you choose determine the points scoring. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So if you want to play for six points, you play on a football field, <laughs> but you get to have a guy with a 
baseball bat hitting a football? <laughs> or is, it's crazy. This sounds no, amazing. I can't wait. It's it's coming to Xbox One. I guess it's an exclusive Xbox yep. One indie title. I don't see a release date here in this article. We'll put the article on the website, but it's worth a read. There's a little video in there that's just amazing. Yeah, it looks awesome. Uh, one other thing about uh, some games here. Uh, EA, we've got a big Star Wars celebration thing coming very yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be in Orlando sometime in April, I believe. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that some more uh, as we get closer. But it was announced this week that Electronic Arts is bringing all, th- I think, all three of the major titles for people to play. Oh, their upcoming games? Uh, I, I think. Uh, well, it's going to be Battlefront and. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't remember the other ones. Was it. Uh, what's the Jedi one? Oh, uh, I don't remember. But yeah, is there like a VR something coming too? Or Yes. Uh, so all of that stuff they're going to take to Star Wars Celebration in Orlando for and have a big booth there for people to play. That should be pretty awesome as well. Along the lines of bringing games to the masses, um, we're all familiar with Twitch and YouTube. People using that as sort of like a streaming of playing video games. You can right. see them. Microsoft is getting in on this game as well with their Beam. We talked about it briefly last week, but their Beam is essentially their version of Twitch. It's, yeah. their, it's their proprietary. Twitch, I believe, is owned by Amazon. YouTube is obviously Google or Alphabet or whatever it is. Right. Um, but their whole thing is they're going to do live streaming directly from Xbox and directly from Windows 10 to create their own sort of universe in that. So they're getting in on that game. I think that's a big deal. It's totally a big deal. And, and the things that are unique about it is specifically for people that stream. Okay. Right? For you streamers that happen to listen to us, uh, this is a big deal and you should really look into Beam. The reason is is that they, they offer higher quality stuff than what you're capable of with Twitch. I think YouTube is up there with higher quality stuff as well, 60 frames per second, things of that nature. You're getting some additional transcoding or re-encoding options as well. So if you're using a green screen to picture-in-picture um, picture yourself playing the game, there's some additional advanced features that I read about with Beam that Twitch doesn't offer where okay. you have to go through. In essence, you can have two cameras and Beam will support that without having to re-encode it. Oh. through something like a flash media encoder or something like that to send that feed to Twitch, right? So there's some, uh, there's some other advanced stuff for the streamer specifically, but as far as user experience for people watching it, it looks like a really elegant interface, and I can't wait to see, uh, see what it looks like on the Xbox. Hey, didn't we just start something with streamers on the Orbital Jigsaw website? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, and I, I wanted to highlight that really quickly for you guys. So if you go over to orbitaljigsaw.com, up in the menu in the top right, uh, you'll see a section called streamers. And one of the things that we wanted to start doing, in addition to the kind of geek feed of news and the podcast and other future shows coming up, is start to feature some of the up-and-coming streamers and give them a, a sort of command center landing page for their live feed, their video playlist, their social media accounts, and, and all of that stuff. Because as a streamer, you have all of those things, but they're all micromanaged individually. And I, what I really wanted to do was kind of just show my support uh, and, and allow them to have a sort of landing page there. So our good friend Tenacious Cleat yep. uh, has helped me pilot this and uh, helped me with the layout and the way things that he would like things to be and tailored it uh, to the way that he would like it. So I want to use this as a template going forward. If you're interested in having your own feature landing page and you're doing uh, some streaming, whether it's on Twitch or YouTube or whatever, uh, get in touch with me um, and we can find out uh, what it takes to get you a page set up. How would you describe this? This is like you can click on Orbital Jigsaw and then go directly to Tenacious Cleat. So rather than going to Twitter, to find him or going to uh, something else to find him, you're finding the person and you'll find out wherever he's streaming and it'll send you directly to that spot. It's, it's, th- it's that and it also gives them one link that they can share that has all of their stuff on it. Oh, great. So uh, it, they've normally had to create these mats for Twitch that has their offline stuff that shows all of their social media. Well, now they could also come in and put in blog posts. They could share pictures. They could do all this stuff and have it all on one page, including a, a, an embedded Twitch player or YouTube, depending on what your streaming platform is, uh, along with all of that information as well. So it's just an effort that, that we wanted to do to try and garner, show some support for, uh, for some of the up-and-coming streamers out there. Yeah, we're making it easier to find streamers, but we're also uh, noticing that PlayStation came out with an update to their UI, which mm-hmm. is making it a little bit easier to create events, to put groups together. One of the biggest complaints for me from the, uh, the PlayStation interface is that it's really tough to get into a party or find a community. Or I've always that's because Phonic always sets it to private. True, yeah, that's, but that's his fault. Either way, I hope he's not listening. Um, uh, no. Um, <laughs> to me, Xbox has been much more uh, interactive with that and is and quicker. So it's like party, hit a button, you're in. Um, and I think PlayStation is now getting a little bit a step closer to that. You were experimenting with the whole uh, event thing this yeah. morning. Tell me about that. This was pretty cool. So um, I know that there were the communities were out there, and one of the things that they've added in recent updates, and I'm not sure if it, this update specifically, but it looks a lot better than it did before, uh, is called events. So you, basically, you can schedule a raid. 
and you can set a date and a time and how much how much time a two hour four hour block. You can tell what game you want to play, and you can set a list of invitees uh, to invite, and they can accept or decline or maybe. Uh, and they can even it'll even go so far as to auto invite them at the time that uh, that if they accept the party, oh. it'll automatically invite them at ten o'clock at night whenever you want to do your raid. Uh, it'll to the to the party. So uh, hopefully this, I agree with you. It's it's a little kludgy. I tend to like it a little bit better than Xbox, but I'm just not as familiar with Xbox. Yeah. I, I know how to get around in it. But I, I like the fact that it not only sends it to the PlayStation account user like on their their box itself, but it it goes directly to like the phone app. So yeah. if you have PlayStation Messenger, um, you'll get a, a notice like, hey, do you want to join the group raid at you know whatever on a, this Sunday night at nine o'clock? And you can hit yes. And if you're on, I guess at that time it'll automatically get you into it. There's there's something cool because that's one of the difficult things. It's it's kind of an LFG, but not really. It's more of a selective like looking for your own group. No, that's rather totally than, like, putting random, a group you know together I mean? on your own. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's I think it's kind of a neat way to sort of schedule gaming groups. Now, yeah. in the LFG vein, like since you brought that up, the the community side, it's kind of hidden. It's not really exposed. But there's a whole community oh, yeah. section within PlayStation. Uh, and that's how I found a lot of uh, people to play Overwatch with. Is you go in and you just find your what tier uh, that you play in. So I know that I'm an 1800 to 2200 uh, skill rating player, and I can go in and find people that are looking for people in that same skill range. Uh, and you jump in a group and you start playing, and it's all good. And you know, after playing together for two weeks, you end up being added to friends lists, and it just grows from there. So. That's how I've been playing Overwatch, is via the communities and via those parties and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's really good. One last thing in video games, we're going to talk about a game we haven't played for a while, just because it's it's getting near the end of its life cycle. Destiny announced yesterday that they're going to have their final live content update for Destiny 1. All signs point to Destiny 2 coming out later this year yes. in September. Apparently all the stuff we've done for the last three years, all the guns and all that stuff, are not carrying over. You can bring your 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 likeness over, whatever face and you your created. Haircut. Yeah, your haircut created, but whatever. <laughs> so what they've done, last year around this time, they released like, okay, the light level will go up, and you get to chase a bunch of stuff. This year, it's not even that. The light level is going to stay where it's at, but they're going to make all of the older content, which was irrelevant because the light level is so low. They're bringing it all up to current level. So we get to go back and play the old raids, get to go back and play the old strikes. They're redoing the Prison of Elders. Everything is coming up to like current light level is is more of a celebration of what we've done over the last three years as we get ready to say goodbye, quote unquote, to this game. Now, that's not to say that this game is going away. Apparently, they're going to keep uh, the year one or Destiny one servers up live so people can still go play their multiplayer stuff just like they can with, say, Call of Duty Black Ops. So that's going to be out for a while. Yeah. But this is them sort of saying their goodbyes and sort of celebrating these last six months. That's the speculation. It'll come out in September of this game. And, and I'm excited to get back into it, especially to go play some of those old raids, which I don't know if you've played a lot of them, but yeah. to have them up to a current light level will make them very interesting. No, Crota and, and Vault of Glass are definitely awesome raids. Um, I, I very I very much like Vault of Glass. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the better raids I've played in a long time, including some of the World of Warcraft stuff that I've I've been a part of. Uh, look, I a lot. There's a lot of inspiration here from some of the things that, and, and I only know because of being a World of Warcraft player that they're taking a lot of this from Activision Blizzard. It's a way to keep content uh, evergreen in a sense to do some trivial updates that bring it up to the level, change a little bit of code, put some spit and polish on it, and voila, you've got a whole new raid tier that people are going to go play. Um, they do this weekly in Warcraft with old dungeons. Mm -hmm. They'll bring them up to the current level, and they call them time walking um, is a way to... Ooh. Yeah, it's a fancy word. To, hey, let's go back in time. And what they do <laughs> instead of... Time. yeah, Gotta go back in time. <laughs> Uh, what they do, they do the opposite, actually. So instead of bringing the dungeon up to your level, they bring you down to the, the your health and your mana and all of that stuff down to the level of the dungeon, which is an interesting way to do it. So if you're a tank and you're used to having 300,000 health, now all of a sudden you've got 60,000. Nice. And, well, not so much. Because <laughs> uh, a, a lot of that stuff it's hits a, a lot further. It, it makes it more challenging. It makes it a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, it's fun to revisit old content, and that's what it's all about. Yes, and that's the thing. It's it's old content, but it's a challenge again. Like it's It'll make the game fresh for a little bit longer. And it's yeah. a game that we love, but it's a game that's gotten stale. So the fact that they're even doing that, it means a lot. I've, I've rate every now and then when people ask me to come and help, but I... You know, between uh, Overwatch, uh, some of the other games that have been coming out, it's just it's swallowed me in the, in recent weeks. So, for all the Destiny players out there, I, I apologize. I haven't been on as much. Plenty of stuff going on in video games, and plenty on the horizon. But you can't do any of that stuff without having the proper tech. So 
I heard a rumor that Bitcoin is now worth as much, if not more, than an ounce of gold. And I'm kind of kicking myself because I used to have a few Bitcoin. Explain the Bitcoin thing, because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a little in the dark on this. I know there's some sort of digital currency, but it's not PayPal, and it's not like World of Warcraft gold. PayPal isn't a currency. No, 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 but what, what is it? Uh, PayPal is a, is a transport. No, no, no. I'm right. talking about, I know what that is. Yeah, but yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is just another world currency. Really? If you think about it in that, like the yen, like yeah. the dollar, like the pound, like the franc. Okay. It's a digital version that doesn't have a physical uh, manifestation in your wallet, right? You can have a card uh, that has Bitcoin on it. Um, but think about it in the sense of you can trade a Bitcoin. I think it's roughly the equivalent. One Bitcoin is now worth $1,300 wow. in the exchange. All right. So it really works as a commodity, as a currency, okay. as a way that that, uh, that moves around. And it's no different than any other currency exchange around the world. Uh, this one just happens to be worth a lot more. Interesting. Um, so the way people are going to use this in the future, I believe, is much like, um, let's say you got a $1,000 gift card to Amazon. Okay. All right. You, somebody could gift you a Bitcoin, right? Okay. That would translate into... $1,000 of Visa gift card credit or right. whatever. whatever I'm using that as an example. It won't necessarily be that, but then you can use that to shop anywhere. The problem is the retailers don't accept it, don't accept it um, and you have to go through this weird exchange process that requires third parties. Um, I think we're going to get there. Um, it's, you can't take an ounce of gold into Best Buy and buy a TV. <laughs> <laughs> right? Fair? Yeah. You, you can't take a, 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 a an ingot of gold into <laughs> uh, as an adventurer into wanted, Best Buy. But I want to see somebody try. Like yeah. some like some Just like old, some old like, the thing. like Stinky Pete, the old 49er walks along. <laughs> I, got one, I want a Vizio. You know, like <laughs> I'm here for my new Panasonic. <laughs> Clang. It just drops yeah. this brick of gold down. Like the, the counter collapses because it's so heavy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's really what it comes down to is you have to turn in the Bitcoin to get cash. The beauty of Bitcoin is that you can exchange it into whatever currency you want to, much like gold. So that's if I had to draw an equivalency to it, it's much like gold as a commodity. But the way that it's generated is what's really interesting and really techy. And it's done through a process called mining. Hmm. And basically, anytime there's a transaction that happens on the web, peer-to-peer... Uh, -peer stuff is done through servers and processors and what's known as FPGAs to build to do those transactions in a peer-to-peer -peer way without having servers, without having a, something like that. And the, the, a copy of the database of all the Bitcoins in the world is spread out across the Internet. Right, so that nobody can ever manipulate one side of it, and okay. it's all that's. I mean, it's it's literally a spider web across all of these Bitcoin miner uh, transactions happening across the world. Do you think that's the fear of why the retailers aren't into it because it potentially could be manipulated? That there isn't like a physical gold or silver or a dollar or you know what I'm saying? Like the, the U.S. dollar isn't tied but isn't to, it, but, to but gold is it, or silver or anything. But isn't so. there something that it's based on though? Is, is where it, no. Okay. I mean, not everything's why not, do we not have, everything revolves around the dollar. Why do we have gold reserves then? Uh, well, you know, go ask Richard Nixon when he undid the the gold standard back in the seventies. Okay. So point. that was uh, that's how we got into the lending and twenty trillion dollars of debt, and not to get into a political sure. discussion. Yeah, we don't want to do that. No. All of that stuff, but yeah, that's where really that. So Bitcoin, in the simplest version, is like having an ounce of gold. Got it having a little square rectangle of gold. Okay. And you can't do anything with that except stick it in a safety deposit box, but you can go sell the gold to get monies to go buy other stuff. Okay. In the exact same vein, you can trade or sell the Bitcoin or a number of Bitcoins to get whatever currency you like, whatever is local to you, to go buy stuff. Hmm. So that's why I, I, I always equate Bitcoin to, you know, Bulk gold bullion. I guess I'll. Uh, I guess I'll have to rewire my brain as when it comes to like Bitcoin type stuff. But hey apparently, now. the scientists are concerned about some VR rewiring your brain. Eh? Yes. What's this story? So some scientists popped up this week showing some concerns and valid concerns. It's something that I've wondered myself about what VR is going to do to the human brain. Okay, the side effects and they may not be negative detrimental consequences, but there's going to be some consequences. Our brains aren't used to working in a VR world. They're used to working in a very depth of field 3D 
uh, kind of world. Let's so let's so for example, VR walk walking around in a VR space. Yep, not a big deal. Watching a television show or a movie or playing a game in a VR space really messes with your mind. How so? Uh, in, uh, I am no neuroscientist, but it has to do with the way that neurons fire in your brain and the difference of how that happens in a physical versus a uh, a virtual world. Okay. And they, they, they're doing some tests with rats, as always, yeah. uh, with this. And believe it or not, they're putting rats into a, um, a, it's a 360 globe, <laughs> almost, that inside of it is a VR world. Wow. And they show that the rat moves around in a much more manic kind of... Oh, yeah. ...doesn't understand where it's going, whereas in the physical version, uh, it just kind of stays in one little area. Maybe it's because it doesn't... While it, it's all about sight, maybe there's the, the fact that this, the other senses aren't in tune with everything, especially when it comes to an animal, you know? I'm so glad you said that okay. because one of the big things they harped on was people that are doing VR without the sound to go along with what they're seeing in their eyes. Ah. That is one of the biggest things that will kind of screw up and rewire your brain a little bit. So if you're doing VR, make sure you're doing the headphones with the sound uh, that's coming from the VR headset, uh, or at least coming from the same source as the VR, and not just listening to ambient open air with the VR headset. Maybe it's got speakers on it or something like that. Make sure that you're not frying your brain like lawnmower man. Oh wow! Uh, by doing that, because I don't know, this scared me. It, it, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it, this is this is supposedly the next big thing, and what you're talking about now is like an LSD trip where somebody's going to be standing on a chair in a in a, in a rubber room, thinking they were a glass of orange juice, and they're going to spill themselves. You know? <laughs> uh, I, wow! Yeah, that, that's I didn't make that what up. What a visual! It, but that's but that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Yeah. I mean, totally. Maybe I won't get an Oculus someday. I don't know. It's still pretty cool to fly an X-Wing inside the cockpit, but <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, uh, be careful with the VR, kids. Yeah. Uh, Amazon's going to be bringing Alexa AI to mobile Android phones. Yes. So they don't have it in there already. It's, I don't think so. And they uh, don't really have it in Siri. So the idea is that it, is it a separate app or is it like built in? No, they want to bring the same Alexa functionality to the mobile phones. Okay. Um, and what's ha- and and yes, you've had some third parties that have tried to take the open API and control Alexa via the echoes. Maybe that's through Bluetooth or something like that. But now that we've got the code, uh, the SDK, I believe for Alexa, we can start. We're starting to see it dr- get dropped on these phones. It's that software development kit. Yep. So we okay. talked about Cortana last week. Yep, yep. We're seeing the same thing start to happen with Alexa. I would. You know, honestly, I would be surprised if we didn't see it appear on Apple as well, on the iDevices. And people, most people would go, hey, wait, no, they've got Siri. You don't need that. Well, look at Google. Look at Google Maps. Uh, look at Google Chrome that's on the iPhone. Uh, so I think it behooves Google, or I'm sorry, it behooves Apple to allow these things to come on there along with Siri. And I think they should do the same thing for, for Windows and all of that. So it'll be interesting to see how all this develops. But um, Alexa is now transcending the Echo. And we're starting to see it more and more on some of these other devices, other mobile platforms, and even cars that we talked about from CES. So that whole ecosystem is starting to take shape. So is it true that all the social media sites and apps are tracking everything we do? Yep. How so? Even when you're not in it. Really? If you have Facebook and Twitter installed on your phone, yeah, they know where you are. Sorry. Really? It's it's just the way it is. Even if you don't have the app open? Even if you don't have the app open. How so? Uh, location services. The only way you can get around it is turning location services off. On all apps or just those? or like uh, I don't know that you can do it on just those. I'm not sure what their limits are. But uh, basically, what they and here's the reason why. They need to show you content that is relevant to you in order for you to give a shit and spend more time in the app. So if you've ever noticed on Facebook when you open it up and, hey, it looks like you're at Walgreens. Oh, yeah. Are you at Walgreens? Yep. If you answer that, yes, it's going to know that you are at Walgreens probably buying soap or shampoo or prescriptions or condoms or whatever you're going to buy. Whatever, beer, who knows. So the same thing is starting to happen with Twitter where you're starting to see this in case you missed this or while you were away. And they're basing that on people that you interact with often people that post often that you follow or people that are in your that you might have crossed paths with or, or nearby they're trying to do whatever they can to keep you engaged that's really what it comes down to now there's a lot of security pro- professionals that would go 
uh, yeah, no, we don't want you doing that at all. And frankly, it, most security professionals would say, don't have Facebook or Twitter on your phone, period, hard stop. Wow. So if you want to get on it on your computer, totally different. That's fine. Your computer is kind of stationary. Uh, but at the same time, your phone, it knows everywhere you go. It knows the history of where you've been, and Facebook and Twitter can almost predictively tell where you're going to go throughout a week based on patterns. Google has a new machine learning algorithm for videos. Huh? Yeah, so apparently... Why does Google have computers watching videos? <laughs> because, why because not? They're, because Google. <laughs> yeah, because that. <laughs> well, stuff. they do have the deep mind thing going on, right? That's true. With, uh, with their... They have five different brains, okay. digital brains. I think they've added one or two more since the last time we talked about it. But oh, man. they've got these guys watching videos in order to categorize the content that is in videos just to see if the AI can figure out what it's watching. So give me an example. So the example that they had in this article was a 90-second uh, video of a Bengal tiger walking around in the jungle. Okay. And if you look at the results, um, it was animal, wildlife, Jungle, tiger, uh, cat, huh? Uh, and all of, there was a bunch of other ones. And they rate, uh, they give each category, each uh, tag a percentage of accuracy. Crazy. That's all fascinating. Where? What do I think this is for? Well, we've seen what they're doing with Boston Dynamics with the robots. Yep. We talked about that a little bit last week, I believe. I think this is a way for this is the beginnings of visual AI for robots to yeah. interact with the real world, and they need this. Um, identification of patterns and looks and things. Yeah, uh, they gotta ha- they've got to have this, but it's got to be able to learn new things as it as it goes. So the scary, you know, nineteen eighty four kind of outlook of this is that robots running around doing things for us, but being able to recognize and learn new stuff at the same time. Not in videos on the internet, but. In real life, in the grocery store. So yeah. Google Brain Robot sees dude with baseball bat walking down the street, and it would be like human, overweight, baseball bat, 20% David Ortiz, 20% Mafia Thug, right? Yes. Is that what's, that uh, what's maybe. happening? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Does does robot do anything about it at that point? I don't know. Wow. Okay. So yeah, I think that's, that's my personal... They haven't come out and said what it's for, but... I, I, it makes a lot of sense that that's the future. That's pretty cool. That's one of the coolest things I've heard this week. Oh, hey, there is one other thing. Though, yeah, this is cool. That, that might be a little bit cooler. Uh, NASA released their 2017-2018 software catalog, and this is kind of a regular thing that goes on every couple of years with NASA. They'll open source a lot of stuff that they've used, or they'll uh, take the classified off of some of the previous stuff they've done in the past with the shuttle missions and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but th- now this year with the software catalog, there's things like uh, drone mapping and 3D wind uh, stuff and uh, just a lot of stuff for engineering types that will really geek out yeah, when I it comes s- around to I that. I saw like a, like a map where like it would give you like uh, uh, pictures from satellites that are like four minutes or four hours old or something like that. Yep. Yeah, and like this is just openware that they give out to the to the public, and I think it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely check that out. We'll put a link to that on the or put the article up on, uh, on orbitaljigsaw.com for you guys. But hey, that's enough about that tech stuff. Let's talk about what we're here to talk about in some TV and movies. Race cars, lasers, airplanes. It's a duck blur. That's right. DuckTales is coming back. The reboot version. It's coming with David Tennant, Doctor Who himself. He's yes. going to be the voice of Scrooge. I don't know if he's going to swim in a vault full of... He might uh, be the ultimate Scotsman. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to swim in a vault full of Bitcoins? Oh, see, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. So we're looking at this summer. Yeah, this summer. And it's already been renewed for a second season. already been renewed. It's not going to be the same animation style. They better have that song, man. Take that, network TV. Yeah, they better have that song. But yeah, I'm all about it. My kids are into DuckTales, and you know, I could still watch DuckTales. Apparently, Donald Duck is going to be in it a lot as well, from what I read. Perfect. So Donald is his nephew. Is yeah, uh, Scrooge. It's it's well, Donald typically wasn't in DuckTales. It was the Huey Dewey and Louie. Yeah, Huey Dewey and Louie. But uh, yeah, I'm. It's a new animation style. It's it's those guys. If they have the song, it's going to be fun. If if it's if it's already renewed, it's going to be good. I'm excited for it. Oh, I guess Donald would be Scrooge's brother, son, son maybe. No, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because he's they, an uncle. Huey, right. Louie, Dewey were but, Donald's kids. I think they're his nephews too. I think because he's Uncle Donald. I'm pretty sure. Oh, pretty okay. sure. Okay. I don't know. Uh, hey, speaking of new shows, <laughs> Amazon does this cool thing where they do five pilots and they let the customers choose which ones get made. This Am is, I reading this right? This is genius, in my opinion. 
I know which one I would pick. Did you watch the five? No, I didn't. There was one at the end where it was like a priest that went to a faraway planet. So it was like uh, uh, trying to do, think of uh, uh, trying to spread the word of Jesus Christ in the uh, you know, medieval times or whatever, the days of Jerusalem, and uh, where you go out on these missions of sorts. Okay. Except you're going to another solar system. Awesome. Uh, okay. I'm not the biggest religious guy, but I'm in. That's, that kind of stuff really geeks me out. The other ones looked cool. They were just more dramatic and stuff, but you know, you you hook me with the sci-fi and adventure stuff like that. Sure. Put it on the website. We'll check it out. Absolutely. Uh, YouTube has announced... This is the big one, I think. Yep. They're in the uh, game now, too. You know, I, I, w- I contemplated whether or not to have a full-blown discussion, main story topic about this one, but uh, I think we, as we know more, we might. YouTube has announced that they are going to do YouTube Live, a $35 a month subscription TV service. And this includes all of the big networks. All the big four are part of it. That's a There's big a one. few of the cable networks that are involved as well. But for $35 a month, you can watch live TV with nine days worth of DVR. Mm. That's an added bonus that any of the other ones don't have. Uh, some for of them $35 do. Yeah, a some month. Do. But yeah. Uh, that- what are your thoughts on this as a recent cord cutter and direct TV now subscriber? Is this an alternative to what DTV is doing? It sounds like it. It sounds like an alternative to whatever Hulu's about to come out with. I think we're going to just, I, I'm going to, I'm going to just stay the course right now with direct TV now. Um, I don't like that. It doesn't have all the networks. If YouTube live does and it has the other channels that I want, I'll switch. Um, if Hulu does something, I'm going to st- like I said, stay in the course. I want to see what Hulu's going to do, but now we have more options and more options and more options. And that price point of 35 is what I'm paying for direct TV now. So I, I, I guess in a weird way, I've been a cord cutter for so long. The notion of live TV doesn't entice me anymore. To me, it's the networks. outside of sports. To me, it's the networks. Yeah, but I can watch those shows outside of CBS. I can watch all of those, almost all of those shows. I think at least ninety-five percent of them on Hulu. Yeah, that day after sure. they come out, right? And I've got a whole. You've seen my watch list of all my yep. shows that I subscribe yep. to, and they're all across all the various networks. But I, I have not used my Directv now since I got it. I got my like we talked about on a previous episode. I got a discounted Apple TV. Yep, for a hundred bucks. So I, I really haven't turned it on. So I don't know. Maybe I'm too far gone. Could maybe be. that's what it is. I, the the idea of live TV. I'm not interested because it's still going to have commercials all over it. Yeah. And I'm so out of the live TV world right now with Hulu and not having to deal with ads that I I don't know that I could go back. Fair enough. The one other thing I'll say about Hulu here is I am interested to see what they do with the live TV world. Um, they do have something coming out later this year as well. I'm sure we'll talk about it at, at length. But I'm a big Hulu fanboy. And I, I, I hope they continue to offer a version without ads. Yeah. I think that I would gladly pay 30 to $40 a month to have all of their current stuff plus the live capabilities across all of the networks, which allegedly they're supposed to have, um, at CBS included, right? Uh, and if they can figure out a way to do that ad-free, that would be an instant sale for me hmm. uh, because that's to have the capability they do now and offer live sports, yep. sold. There you I'm go. in. Fox is one of those networks that's going to be uh, on all of these streaming devices, but this studio, the movie studio, is apparently suing Netflix, or did try to sue Netflix, for poaching their talent. What's that about? We've heard about Netflix. The more and more that they have brought on a lot of these uh, new shows, these big movies, we've got a couple hundred million dollar features coming. They've been garnering the um, the, the ire of these executives, okay. and bringing some of them on. Uh, so Fox alleged that Netflix was poaching, breaching contracts uh, to you know to have their content on Netflix. There's contracts involved. You will not take our people. Blah blah. There, it's in the fine print in there somewhere. Well, a couple of people left, came and joined Netflix. Fox got Fox got pissed, uh, sued them. They lost. Fox appealed. Appellate court denied it. Okay. So basically, what we've got is Fox is kind of throwing a tantrum. They're not getting their way. Uh, I think we're going to see, this is just the beginning, I think we're going to see more of this as more and more studio executives jump from the old school traditional studios into these newer modern Netflix, Hulus, Amazons, etc. I I think this is going to become more and more prevalent as people scrape to keep their people. Seems like everybody's going to be jumping on that trend. Wait, you hear that? Do you hear that? All aboard! I never thought we'd be having this train come in every week, but apparently it's here again. Is there more stuff? 
There will be stuff every single week. That is my promise to you, the listeners, and to you, Andy, as rabid, rabid Star Wars fans as we are. I think it only has like one passenger car this week. There's not a lot of stuff it's carrying. Uh, there's but, a couple. But it's a couple. There's a couple. What do you got? I don't know what this is, but uh, John Boyega, uh, Finn, yeah? FFN2157, 2187, 2187 uh, tweeted this picture of him or something with Biohexacrypt. And I don't really know. Everybody's trying to figure out what the hell this is. They think it's one of the new language code languages that three PO is learning. That in order that the that the Sith is using or that the First Order is using. I don't know. They didn't really tell anything, but it looks pretty cool. It's the old style Star Wars logo with biohexacrypt at the bottom of it. According to Wikipedia, oh sorry, according to Wikipedia, Wookie. It is unknown what a biohexacrypt is at this time, but it is rumored to make an appearance in Star Wars Episode Eight. Well, no shit. Well, no kidding. <laughs> Thanks. <Wookie. laughs> one, more, uh, one more thing. Uh, the shareholders of Disney were given a sneak peek of Last Jedi Episode Eight this week. Uh, so if you're a Disney, and apparently there were a, a couple of news reporters there, mm. and some some little things came out, such as they apparently see a scene where Luke asks Ray. Who are you? Right after she tries to hand him the lightsaber, which must take place at the beginning of the movie, we are assuming. So does that dispel the myth that Luke Skywalker could be related and or could be her father? I have a question. All right, go for it. She flew in on the fucking Millennium Falcon. True. How the hell is he not going to know that? Uh, he knew. He, maybe, he knows who, what that ship is. He doesn't know who she is, maybe. But well, I don't know. Then can't he force sense her anyways? Like, uh, I, I don't. Right, exactly. Thank you. One, you're carrying his lightsaber. He's going to know that's his lightsaber. Two, you fly in on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah. you, you've you've got to be friendly. To who are you? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Come on. <laughs> no, now you've got him doing bail from Batman. Right. Swear to me. Swear to you. Who are you? <laughs> Other other big big notes from this actually they're not that big and not spoilers at all. Apparently General Organa's in it and Finn's in it and Wookiees are in it and there's a broken X-wing. Oh, all right. Okay. The big takeaway is Bob Iger, the Disney like chair super guy, says, uh, "Trust me, this movie is worth the wait." Yeah, I think this might be one of those things where the shareholders were like, "We don't know who this Ryan Johnson guy is. Let's go in before it's too late and make sure that I, it doesn't suck." Yeah, they they don't care. They know they're <laughs> going to make a pile of money. <laughs> yeah. They're in there just counting their money. Yeah, it's like oh, mini- oh, this movie's great. Yeah. I count my hundreds. It's like uh, Mini Me is directing this one. Fine, Star Wars, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good deal, good deal. R two D two directing the next Star Wars episode nine. Yeah, we're probably a couple weeks away from a trailer. It's either going to be next week on uh, Beauty and the Beast, or it's going to probably be in two weeks at that uh, Star Wars convention in Orlando that we talked about. But it's yes. coming. We're going to see some stuff, especially if they're showing shareholder stuff. It's coming. Oh, yeah. That, that must mean it's pretty much in the can other than polish at this point, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Uh, next big announcement for movie stuff, though, is Spielberg is back. Oh, and he's not alone. He's bringing Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Yeah, bringing so the So you big talk guns. about three of the big guns, $20 million apiece, to make a film about the Pentagon Papers. All right. Are you familiar with this? Are you a history nut? Not as much as you are. Okay, so the Pentagon Papers had to do with the Johnson administration hiding uh, some of the evidence of engaging in Vietnam, escalating things in Vietnam. Okay. Uh, these were some of the internal memos that um, were, I think, this. Uh, for, please forgive me if I'm wrong about this, uh, listeners. I believe they were memos from the Pentagon to Johnson letting him know that the problem was much more dire than it uh, than it was made, being made out to be. He needed to take action immediately, send stuff over there. Those documents apparently never got to Johnson, or if they did, he never acknowledged them. Therefore, we had the people, the we had the massive North Vietnamese takeover in Vietnam that caused us all of that. We lost a bunch of people, and that's when Johnson went draft. Everybody goes okay. And so it's it'll be interesting to see how Spielberg spends this. We know he's done Saving Private Ryan. We know he can do a war movie. I, I'm very interested to see uh, this film, especially with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep in it. He, they have a pretty good tra- track record together, Hanks and Spielberg. Let's forget uh, the terminal. That wasn't very good. But, but yeah, I'll see it. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say right now, yes. it's an Oscar contender yeah. just, with, just with those three names alone. Yeah, you, you can't not see it with those three names uh, it, going into it. Hey, something else is coming back with that we won't want to miss. It's a reboot, though. Are you okay with this one? Uh, well, for different reasons. All right, all right. What do you got uh, for for my male hormonal reasons? Uh, there is a reboot of Robin Hood happening, Robin and Hood, it's not what you would expect. Robin Hood Origins. Robin Hood Origins, of course. But the film is called Marion. Are you sure? Uh, it's a working title, from okay. what I understand. Okay. Starring Margot Robbie. Oh, 
Very good. And uh, I've heard that they've pushed the production back on this because Taron Edgerton, the kid from uh, Kingsman, yes. has to shoot Kingsman 2, so he's going to be playing Robin Hood, and they're pushing that back as a result. Oh. So I, I think this is the same movie. And apparently it also, uh, the storyline is very similar to the Prince of Thieves storyline where he comes back from the Crusades and... There you go. It's unfortunate we won't be able to have Hans Gruber play the Sheriff of Nottingham again. Oh, would have been good. Would have been good. Mr. Hood. Yeah. Where are my arrows? You know who would have been a good Sheriff of Nottingham now, but he's too busy being the captain on the new Star Trek Discovery is Jason Isaacs. Oh, yeah, Jason Isaacs. Which is interesting to me. This guy, uh, he was the voice of the Inquisitor. He played uh, Captain Hook in that uh, Pan movie. Yep. Really good, like, bad guy. And he was was, uh, one of the Malfoy bad guys in the Harry Potter universe. Oh, that's right. He's got that, like, icy villain look and that voice to him. Perfect for a captain. But he's going to be the good guy. So this would be interesting. It'd be interesting. So, yeah. Captain Lorca, Star Trek Discovery. At some point, this show will come to cbs all access uh i hope <laughs> and we'll uh we'll have to see what this guy's all about but uh we are fans of him as a villain so again we'll be exciting to see him as a captain yeah i couldn't agree more i'm very excited about him there's another thing that we uh we got some sneak peeks on this week and it was uh thor ragnarok and i'm very excited for this film later this year apparently i believe it's later yeah, november this year. 3rd i think november 3rd yeah, it's gonna be one of those holly holiday 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 movies uh, but it's got it's got Jeff Goldblum in it. Yeah, great. Oh, and and he was apparently told to make the role his own, as far as his appearance goes. Right. And what we got was apparently uh, he took his cue from Will Ferrell yeah. in Zoolander as Mugatu. <laughs> Have you seen this picture of this guy? Oh, I can't wait to post this online and see what you guys say about it. But uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> he definitely, other than the little tiny phone of Mugatu. <laughs> Uh, I think that's the funniest part. But no, we've got him playing the Grandmaster, which I've never heard of in the comic universe, but apparently he plays games. Yeah. And I can only imagine in the Thor world that they're betting planets or solar systems or something. Uh, As Guardian, I'm not really sure what this is. The the big thing takeaway as well was Thor cut his hair. Yeah, apparently there's a supercuts on Asgard. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He's going to have short hair. Now, what I've read is uh, this is all going to take place on the planet Sakaar, S-A-K-A-A-R. Um, it's it's kind of the Planet Hulk storyline, which is a big one uh, about five, six, seven years ago, somewhere around there, where they banished Hulk off to this other planet because he was too much of a threat to the to the country. And they kind of did that in Civil War. No, in um, uh, Avengers 2, where they sent him away and he yeah. disappeared. So maybe in the meantime, he's been there and Thor goes over there and there may be some sort of gladiator battle. Uh, this is all speculation, I guess, plot wise, or maybe the plots uh, figured out, but something like that. Uh, so, yeah, Thor will have short hair. And I guess this is going to be much more of a comedic like road trip type movie between Thor and Hulk, which okay. Hemsworth has some comedic chops. I'm going to yeah. give the guy credit. So if, if they don't take it too seriously and they let it be kind of fun like that, I'm all for it. And Hulk's just funny. Yeah. All right, hot off the presses, literally within the last 30 minutes. This will, yeah, this will be old news by the time you hear it. Uh, Game of Thrones Season 7, the new seven-episode season, has a premiere date Sunday, July 16th, as we now get the penultimate, the second-to-last season of Game of Thrones. Uh, do we know anything about the storyline so no, far? No, because there's no book to base it on. We don't know where it's going to go. There's been no leaks or nothing. If not that I'm aware of, and George I kinda, R. R. Martin hasn't told he's going to kill everybody again, uh, but it's pretty standard at this yeah, point. Yeah, right? everybody dies. Right, everyone dies. Well, all right, guys, that's going to take us into our main story tonight. Uh, we wanted to talk about the recent craze of unlimited data. Yep. AT&T was kind of the last holdout here of, uh, of unlimited data. And T-Mobile kind of kicked things off a few years ago with their whole thing. But now we've gotten to this interesting point, this inflection point in the industry, where data is ubiquitous. Yeah. And while there is throttling that still goes on, we've gotten to this point of it doesn't matter anymore. And you can until you're getting up above 20 gigs a month, you're not getting throttled. Right. Right? So, yeah, there's... What do we do with all this data? Uh, it, it, the question becomes, um, what are the differentiate Now, how do you decide between a carrier? Yeah, Verizon was the last one that really really jumped in on this, right? That's fair. Yeah. That's fair, yeah. But yeah, uh, I had Verizon. I had literally just switched over to T-Mobile two months ago. Uh, they have, they have uh, arguably, in my opinion, they have the best deal. It has good service in my area. Um, they're unlimited, all one, all text, all what, you know, 28 gigs until they throttle it or something like that. Who knows? But... To me, it's like, oh, I need unlimited data. I need unlimited data. But I never actually got close to going over my data. Like I did a couple times with the kids because they'd be playing Pokemon Go or watching something on YouTube yeah. or, or on either my phone or my wife's phone. And you'd get that warning like, oh, you're a gig away from your data limit. I'm like, oh, no, stop watching that, kids. Now it's like I don't have to worry about it. And that's the thing. 
Did I ever have to worry about it? Is this geared towards you and me? I don't think so. I, I honestly don't know because my immediate question when we first started talking about this was, I can't remember in recent memory m- myself or any of my friends complaining about, oh, God, I ran out of data again this month. Yeah. Oh, I had to pay another $10 for another gig of data. Yeah. I, I just didn't hear about that. So maybe it was just one of those things that they just leveled the playing field. Let's reset everything. Let's push the throttling up above 20 gigs, and let's see what they do. Well, it's all these companies competing with each other, right? But if now them- it's back to just being on price and coverage. Okay. People were going to T-Mobile just to be able to get unlimited data, and I right. know a few of my international techie traveling friends uh, did it specifically to get uh, free texting, free data okay. uh, overseas. Okay. You didn't have to buy the blocks of stuff with like you do with AT&T and Verizon. Okay. So now that that's everybody's got unlimited... Everybody's got a decent amount of data before you start getting throttled down. It's back to the basics. It's back to coverage areas. Do you get coverage in your house? Mm-hmm. Do you get coverage at work, on the road? Do you get the high-speed LTE, which will actually help this data sure. come faster? Sure. And uh, price. That's really what it comes down to. What else is left? Yeah. It- and and if that's the last thing, my last point I'll make is, why isn't everybody the same price? Why aren't they all sixty nine ninety nine? Why does... Four different companies have four different prices for the same tier of service. That's a good question. I don't that, have the answer to that. That blows my mind. I don't have because the answer to that. Obviously, we're all going to go to T-Mobile at some point if this stays the way it is. Because it's the cheapest. And it's arguably one of the best right now. Well, like let's look at AT&T. Their thing is like, well, if you have DirecTV and they try to bundle their own stuff together. Or Verizon's like, hey, we have the NFL. You can watch the NFL on your data for not counting towards your data. And, Sprint, and Sprint has, I don't know. but NASCAR. The, the other thing that's interesting about this is you're also not tied into a contract anymore. This is a month-to-month thing. So you could you could you could be a T-Mobile customer one month, and then Verizon goes, "Guess what? It's five bucks a month for you know this." And you're like, "Great, I'll switch." And you could switch, 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 switch. You know, maybe Nintendo isn't part of this. Um, but yeah, I. I, I <laughs> there was a Nintendo Switch I, joke in there. Yeah, I want to get back to why this is happening. And again, I don't think it's because of guys like you and me. And yes, your international business traveler friends. It's it's partly that. But I think we are in a world where. People watch stuff on their phones and their tablets, and they want to be able to watch it outside of their house. And the only way to do that at a cost-effective rate is to now offer unlimited data. Yes, it'll get throttled at some point. Yes, it'll slow down. But is that, what is that? Is that for the companies, the cell phone companies themselves, to put ads in their own phones, or does that ad stuff come from? Are they in bed with the the Googles and the YouTubes and, and the Netflixes and, and all that? I, I, I don't know. It's all speculation here. So I think the. If we re- if we reset everything back to just price and coverage, okay, uh, there's there's got to be ways that they still make money, and I think that will be done through advertising or promotional a la carte add-ons like tethering and okay. and things like that. Right, you're not going to give somebody unlimited data and tethering for no additional charge or oversight because I could then I don't have to have a home internet connection. True, I can just tether my phone and. Go browse Facebook to my heart's content, right? Yeah, but you can't use that as your home router. You can't be like streaming games and stuff on that. Can't I mean you could, but you could. It's, it'd, it'd be terrible, kind of <laughs> like Jared. Sorry, Jared. Yeah, you know he'd but, be lagging everywhere. But yeah. uh, no, it, it would be it's usable. It's usable. And I will say to your other comment, um, while when I was very heavily traveling about a year ago, um, there were times that I wanted to watch Hulu or Netflix. Yeah, uh, in the hotel room, but the Wi-Fi was terrible, so I turned off the hotel Wi-Fi. And it was faster than the hotel Wi-Fi, but within about five minutes, I started getting the alerts okay. uh, that you're using a lot of your data really fast. So I think mentally as consumers, if we take that fear away, we're going to start to watch a lot more stuff. Well, they've done that. They've done that by making everything unlimited. Right. So, absolutely. What is, so does, how does this change our habits as consumers not having to worry about those thresholds anymore? That's an interesting thing to me. And and if we don't worry about those thresholds anymore as consumers, what kind of content are they going to start throwing at our devices going forward? That opens up the floodgates of, of a different delivery of, of different kind of content. And this is another threat. To, and we've been talking about streaming as well, but this is another threat to the cable and the satellite Absolutely. and the network industry. Well, not necessarily because you're maybe streaming those channels uh, through their individual apps. But yeah, this is, this is another way for you. Yeah. I think this is totally geared towards I'm a dad. I got two kids with phones and I don't want to worry about them and watching their stuff and like getting a bill at the end of the month that says you owe an extra 50 bucks because your kid couldn't stop watching um, uh, uh, Charmed on the CW network or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, now you don't have to worry about it. Is and, and once one company did it, 
Verizon was the last one, like we said. And, and now there's no turning back. You can't suddenly go back. Any one of these companies can't go back and be like, all right, we're back to uh, 20 gigs a month for this price. Because somebody else will still have unlimited. Yeah. It's here to stay, right? It, yeah. it, in theory. I, I don't think there's any going back. And it, it also, it's a, it's a sign of the times with the world that we live in now. They're, everything is a subscription model, ah, a monthly subscription now. So that's maybe why the contracts have gone away. I think the contracts are going to go away. We're going to get, we're going to stick with these month to month kind of things. Uh, I think some of them might still offer a contract. Yeah, for but a that's deep for phones. Discount. But that's for phones. Like the, their whole thing is like they're leasing of phones. That's their contracts now. Yeah. but not the actual cellular service itself but that you, I'm aware of. Uh, yes, but even the phones are monthly. You can buy them with a monthly payment. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. that's their contracts now. The yeah. contract now isn't like okay, you're a Verizon customer for the next two years on our on our cell phone plan. You're a Verizon customer for the next two years to pay off your phone, or yes. or if you switch, you got to pay off the difference, pay in the some, difference, some yeah. fee or whatever it is. Right? Maybe they're counting on that. I think they are, and I, you know, it's probably working to be if I'm being honest. But that's that's just a sign of the times for the world that we're in. There's there's subscriptions out there for everything from shaving to clothes, yeah, to trunk club. Uh, doggy lawn, the yep. piece of grass I get for the dog to go on the balcony uh, comes every week, and all the streaming services that we all know and love, uh, Netflix and Hulu and HBO Now and all you know, all that stuff. Everything is based on a monthly subscription right now. So when was the last time, You probably fairly recently, but when was the last time you sat down and added up the quantity of subscriptions you had and the, the dollar amount of each of them? Oh, it's been a while, but uh, I know that pretty much all of my um, none of my monthly bills anymore are on a contract per se. That's okay. Where That's it used to be, I used to have a DirecTV contract. I used to have a Verizon Cell contract. Phone. I used to have. Um, I feel like I had a, a cable internet one. Like I think I got a deal for a certain number of years. But now all of that is a la carte, month to month. Just like you're, I think you made a really good parallel there. The whole everything is going to a month to month thing. And so you're right. Maybe we need to start taking these things into account and adding up our month to month thing. My other interesting thing about this is yes, if we're, we've, we've established the fact that we think it's unlimited data from now on. Yeah. In the current 4G sort of LTE market, right? Yeah. There is a future coming though of this Absolutely. 5G and this even like faster, like gigabit wireless cellular internet. Yeah. That's coming. And it's. Not too far away. We're thinking 2020 at the earliest on the lower subscription end and maybe countrywide by 2025. In the next five years, we'll start seeing it in both devices and major metropolitan areas. And the things that are holding this up are probably FCC things and like what's the actual like what's the actual universal technology between all these things getting the phones with these types of routers built in. Um, so there's some technology at the device layer and at the core infrastructure layer that doesn't exist yet that is still being worked on. So it's it's essentially Wi-Fi everywhere, whether it's through a cellular system or through like uh, uh, Time Warner having their their whatever. But we, we've essentially made this whole thing about data. I feel like data as as far as like um, uh, the unlimited amount of it, or even the fact of like a terabyte drive. I think data. And the amount of data has become a bit of a currency for us mm. now. Is mm. it, what, do you see what I'm getting at there? Totally. Yeah. Like it, it used to be more expensive to get a two terabyte hard drive than it is now. And like everything is getting cheaper, 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 faster, 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 just like on the technology side. But now the data side is the same exact way. But wouldn't you also say to counter that, that the games have gotten larger? Sure. The things that consume storage have gotten larger. Sure. Um, so they cost more. Okay. Right. So it, it, as it's inflation, it's it's economics, right? Yeah. Supply and demand economics, where as as the demand for storage decrease, or sorry, the demand for storage increases, the amount of storage increases as well, and the cost of that is going to go down as we get a surplus of storage, right? So the it's interesting that as as we get access to more storage, the things we use consume more storage at the same time. It's not like they stayed at one gigabyte in size right. for games. I downloaded Horizon Zero Dawn the other day. It was 43 gigs. Sure. I can't even imagine only still having a 500 gig hard drive in my PS4 and and, down, and being able to keep more than one or two games on there, actually, with all the saves and all the other content, right? So uh, getting back to the point, it's... Yeah, it's absolutely a currency. Is it worth anything other than peace of mind? Eh, not really, especially now that they've stripped away the value of it and made it all unlimited. So now that we're in this unlimited data world, we have no contracts, no data limits, and I feel like it's a brave new world of what could come next. It's it's the ability, like you've always talked about, the ability to consume more content outside of your house, and it's here, it's here to stay, and it's only going to get easier and faster. Totally. 
Completely agree. And I am very, very excited about that world because as consumers of content, we always want more, more, more. Even though we feel overwhelmed at times, it's, uh, I think it's a good thing for us. Well, you know, sometimes when you feel overwhelmed, you might have to just take a break and sit down and drink a beer in your have underwear. Have a tasty beer. Have a tasty beer, but in your underwear. I promise I'm wearing pants. Apparently, the people of Finland have uh, done this so much that they have come up with a word for it. I'm going to let you take a crack at saying this first. Okay, hold on. I There is a word. Uh, oh, where did I put it? It is Kalsarikanit. Kalsarikanit. K-A-L-S-A-R-I-K-A-N-N-I-T. This is a Finnish word for... Drinking beer or alcohol in your underwear. Yeah, the this literal is a the, thing. The literal translation is underwear drunk. <laughs> As like one word. <laughs> uh, this is hilarious. And uh, leave it to the fins to come up with something like that. Well, we both like drinking beer, so I think that would be a perfect choice for our lightning round. All right, so we like drinking beer. Let's see how many beers we can name as quickly as we can, starting with you go. Let me go down the the, the owl at Ralph's. Uh, Budweiser, Coors Light, Miller Light, Michelob, Stella, yeah. uh, Fat Tire, yeah. Sierra Nevada, yeah. Amstel Light, sure. Smittix, yeah. uh, 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 G. Poddington's, or Boddington's, uh, Pabst, uh, 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 Guinness. Yeah, Murphy's, uh, uh, Corona, uh, Tecate, Dos Equis. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, Arrogant the, Bastards. Sure, all of the uh, Japanese ones that are delicious. Uh, Kirin and uh, Asahi. Asahi and uh, Sapporo and Height, uh, the Korean one. Uh, what else we got? <laughs> There's got to be more. It's got to be more. Uh, Angry Orchard. Uh, it's a cider, but, it's ciders, a cider, but we'll right? take it. Uh, <laughs> the old Style from Chicago. Oh, uh, God, Iron City style. from Pittsburgh. Uh, Yingling, the famous one from Pennsylvania. Rolling uh, Rock. Rolling Rock, another one from Pennsylvania, from Latrobe. Uh, yeah, Hams, Schlitz. <laughs> Schlitz. Oh, here's one. Beast. Oh, yes, the Beast. Unleash the uh, yeah, Beast. Yes, Bush, uh, Natty Light. Oh, man, I can think of so many. Fun side story. So one of my uh, one of my buddy's dads was an alcoholic from way back. Not that funny, but okay. Not that funny, but what was funny was what he called, uh, it was Old Milwaukee Ice. Yes, and it was just beast ice. Yeah, we had beast ice in college. I need, I need a case of beast ice. Yes, yes. And he yes. would drink the entire case in a matter of hours and just be hammered. And it was a lot of fun to make fun of him then when you were like 20 years old. But looking back on it now, it's pretty sad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> didn't mean to end the show on a downer, but yeah, but uh, it, it kind of did. But that's okay, all right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll bring it up here. I just wanted to bring up Beast Ice. I'm sorry. God. Hey, we got uh, another beast coming to theaters this weekend. Kong Skull Island will be oh, dropping uh, tomorrow. I'm excited to see that one. You know, I got some catching up to do. I still got to see John Wick 2 and, and Logan. Logan. Yeah, but uh, don't forget Samuel L. Jackson is in Kong Skull Island. So the race to beat Harrison Ford is back yes. in effect. So. Yeah. Uh, he may do it with this one. Yeah, actually. we'll see. Uh, for those of you looking for us, well, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Andy Nelson 76 on Twitter. You can find us also um, on PlayStation or Xbox. Message us there and we'll let you have our gamer tags and we can meet you up online and play some games. Absolutely. Or check out orbitaljigsaw.com for any kind of geektainment news and any episodes of this podcast. Also, check out our new streamers section. Follow Tenacious Cleat. Say hi and check out him playing Destiny or other various games. I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over at data center dude on twitter and that will do it for us this week guys we will see you next time later this show is part of the orbital jigsaw network for more episodes subscribe to us on itunes google play or stitcher radio for details and show notes from each episode check us out orbitaljigsaw.com